0: Welcome to the Hudson Wesleyan Church Podcast, a recording of the weekly messages of Pastor Wesley Rowan during the Sunday worship service. We trust the time you spend listening will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is Pastor Wes. We are saying along this entire series as we're looking at parables that Jesus is telling his disciples and his followers about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God that our home is not of this world. Our home is not of this world. We are here, we are living in this world, but it is not of this world. It is also, as we said last week, not just some futuristic thing. It is something that exists now in us where we are, but it is not of this world. Last week you will remember perhaps that we were talking about Jesus um, telling the parable or the story of the farmer who went out to sow the seeds. And then his enemy came along and sowed the weeds. And we were talking about what does it look like to try to foster the kingdom in a world of weeds. That was last week. Today, a much shorter little parable that he tells his followers as we focus on the potential of the kingdom. Last week was the mindset. Today is the potential. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32, he presented... uh, Oh, sorry, I got the wrong slide there, don't I? I told the computer to put the right one in. I want to see if it actually obeyed me or if it just ignored me. It would not be... Yeah, that's right, okay. Well, it just has the wrong title slide in there. That's okay. All right, Matthew 13, 31. He presented another parable to them and he was saying this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, or in his garden. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. This is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is using another example that anybody who is sitting there listening to him would have understood. Last week it was talking about the farmer who goes out and spreads the seed in his field for the wheat to grow. Today, he is talking about someone who goes out to plant their garden or plants in their field. He's probably not talking specifically about a crop field, like the wheat field. He's probably talking more about like a field or an area that you would spend time in, more like a garden. The mustard seed that Jesus is referring to is a seed that would have been smaller than just about any other plant that you were planting in your garden. It's not actually the smallest seed in the world, but it is the smallest seed probably that a gardener would have had in his or her collection of seeds as they were sowing their garden. And so when it went into the ground, just on appearance's sake, it would have looked less impressive than about any thing else that you would put in the ground now I don't think any seeds look particularly impressive when they go in the ground they are all kinda of small and don't look like they're gonna produce much but this would have been even smaller than most and then Jesus goes on to say but and again his remember his audience would have known this so he was just affirming something that that they would have understood he said when that plant grows as opposed to all the other things that are growing in the garden that look more like plants the mustard seed would produce a plant that actually was so large it almost looked like a tree. So he was not saying that the mustard seed is going to grow into a tree like an oak tree or or an elm tree or something like that. He was just saying that in your garden one of the biggest plants that you're going to find that was almost so big that it looked more like a shrub or a tree than just a plant would have come from the smallest seed from your bag of seeds. And in fact, he says, it is such a big plant or shrub that birds will come and will build nests in its branches. Now, why would he even say that? It's just, first of all, he, again, he's saying it to them. They know that this is true. They see it in their own gardens, right? Right? But the point of saying that even birds would come and nest in it just gives validity to the fact that it's not just a garden plant. This is a substantial bush that is growing from this seed. Big enough to hold a nest and birds that are in the nest and presumably eggs and birds that are in the nest. Which is why birds build nests. From the smallest seed comes the largest plant in the garden. If you are following along then in your handout, let's first notice that the success of the kingdom of Christ is not dependent on the successes of this world. Jesus says the kingdom is like the thing that you've feel won't be very impressive if you want a bigger plant you're going to have to press, plant a more impressive seed right if you want a bigger product you got to start with a really impressive foundation but he says the kingdom is not like that this story is not just about a, the hidden secret to impressiveness. Jesus is not saying, hey, if you want something really impressive, use my secret formula and then you'll get it. I was watching a, a clip online the other day and the advertisement came up and I didn't take the time to listen to the entire advertisement. But it, said, it started off like this. A new secret... That's been held for hundreds of years has finally been released on how to lose weight. Hundreds of years? We haven't known what the secret was, apparently. I didn't pay the, pay the mind to listen to the rest of it. It was, it was a, a, a three minute long advertisement or something, and so I, I didn't waste my time on it. But I thought, you know, if you really want to get somebody's attention, tell them, hey, the secret has been buried for a long time and we have found it, right? Or, or you, you see those advertisements that start off with, would you like to be able to work from home independently and make $10,000 every 30 minutes or something, right? Well, of course. That sounds fascinating. And then they say, I'm going to tell you, so just sign up for my seminar, and I'll tell you the secret that I found that lets me make all of this money to which I can only ever think, if you were making all this money, you wouldn't be making videos to put online. But that's just me. Jesus is not giving the secret seminar. Jesus is not saying, do you want to be impressive? Here's what you're going to have to do. You think that the little thing isn't that impressive, but it's going to be impressive. No, because that's still a worldly way of thinking. The success of the kingdom of Christ is not dependent at all on the successes of the world. So Jesus is not trying to tell his followers, I'm going to let you know how to be really impressive. Because if you're trying to be really impressive, you're already headed in the wrong direction. It is not dependent on the successes of the world. What he is getting at is that the kingdom of heaven is built around a kernel of something that is so unnoticeable from the worldly perspective that you would never think it's going to result or amount to anything. But it has transformative power. And not only does it transform the place where it is, it transforms the environment around it. See, when you put that mustard seed in the ground, you wouldn't think that it matters too much how close it is to the next seed over because it's just this tiny little thing. But you better give it space because it is going to change the entire environment of your garden. The success of God's kingdom, we are so inclined to want to conjure up success for the kingdom. And last week we talked about how sometimes we make that because we want it to be about the way that we construct power, right? And we want to go through and kind of get rid of all the things that we think shouldn't be there and we kind of want to take control. But one of the other ways that we try to whip up success for the kingdom of God is by being the kind of people and and, and wanting to attract the kinds of things that from a worldly mindset are the most successful, most impressive, and the things that will lead to success. And church culture, and I admit that as a pastor, it's difficult not to want to fall into this trap. But church culture has sometimes fostered that mindset. We say that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, but we really tend to focus on the kingdom of heaven being about big and impressive and bank account and shows and attraction. And I'm not saying that those other things cannot be and have their place in the kingdom, but Jesus didn't say that those are what the kingdom is. He said the kingdom of heaven is like something small that you wouldn't even notice it, and it ends up transforming the environment in which it lives in John chapter 12 Jesus would say this I tell you the truth that unless the kernel falls into the ground and dies it will not bear any fruit it's not going to reproduce not only is the success of the kingdom not dependent on the success of the world it is actually so far to the other extreme that the only way to have success in the kingdom is to die. Now that sounds morbid, but hang with me for a second. There is no kingdom without the death of Jesus. So there's evidence right there that the death was going to be required in order for the kingdom to be built. There is no kingdom without the death of Jesus. We cannot participate in the kingdom without dying to ourselves. Giving up that control. Relinquishing our grip. I have been thinking a lot about this in the last year or two when it comes to sharing God's love with other people. How tempting it is for me to want to make sure that I've got every detail and all of my answers and all of the things that I want to say and that church is just so and that everything we do and every little aspect of every program is just so. And I want it to be good. I want it to be glorifying to God. I, I want to be as good as we can be. But God has been really nosing in on my idea of completing everything that I think should be completed and showing me that as we were talking about during our prayer time, He goes before us He's already there. He's already active. And so if I'm not willing to surrender, to die out, to relinquish my control to his kingdom, then my place cannot be in his kingdom because it's not about my control. And so the potential of the kingdom is actually found in what you are willing not to be as much as it is found in what you are willing to be. Did you hear me? The kingdom is not just found in, let me phrase it a different way, we'll go backwards this time. The kingdom is not just found in what are you willing to be for Jesus. We've preached that for years, right? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to be? Are you willing to allow God to send you to wherever he wants to send you and to make you whoever he wants to make you and to give you whatever he wants to give you? And that's all true. But the flip side of that coin is that the kingdom of heaven is also about what we are willing not to be. For Jesus, and so the potential of the kingdom is not seen through our eyes—the eyes of men and women. It's not. We—I preached about, <laughs> about this a few months ago, so I'm not going to linger long on it. But just real quickly, in your mind, take inventory of those twelve disciples. If you had set up a booth and said, I want to change the world and I need 12 people to help me do it, and those 12 disciples had come and put in their applications, you wouldn't have hired them to mop the floor. You wouldn't have. They couldn't have done it without fighting with each other to begin with. And they had their self-centered, their own ideas. We know the disciples are coming to Jesus even when he's talking about the kingdom and saying, by the way, when you put the kingdom in place, can we have the important seats? And that's why he says to them, you've got to be like children. Because the success of the kingdom... Peter, I mean, the, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's, he's glorified right in front of him probably one of the most powerful scenes of the divine on earth in the history of this globe. And the disciples are rightly impressed. Peter is rightly impressed. Wow. And you can see the wheels turning in his head. Man, if, the people, if this had happened down off of the mountain, people, the people would really sit up and take notice. But since it didn't happen down there, they don't know what they're missing. Maybe we could just hang out up here. And I don't think that his motivations were evil. He was saying, Jesus, why would we ever go anywhere else when we have this? But the success of the kingdom is seen through the eyes of Jesus who turns his back on what Peter is suggesting and heads to the cross. And even on the way there, Peter takes a detour in order to pull out a sword and go to work trying to advance the kingdom. Many were the zealots in that day who followed various redeemers, messiahs, saviors who were going to overthrow by force the Roman government. Because through the eyes of man, their idea of power and success and of kingdom building was let's let's be strong. Let's get the most impressive. Let's, let's build something. It goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel and the Garden of Eden. Let's take hold of the things that we think make us impressive. And then God will have to take notice. When we are like Him. When we are in His presence. He'll have to take notice. But that's backwards. When we place ourselves in the position of prominence because we want God to take notice of it, He turns and He sees the little child that everybody's ignoring. He stops and talks to the woman at the well that nobody else would even have time for. The kingdom, as we said last week, it's not something that we're waiting to get into. It is something that is waiting to get into us when we see it through the eyes of Jesus. Here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of the gardener. The gardener knows the potential of the seed. I was thinking about the farmers. Kent was talking about the farmers being out in the fields, right? When you watch a farmer go out to do his planting and he's got his machinery and he's in these huge fields, if you took a look at what he's actually putting into the fields with those big machines and what he's cultivating with all of that hardware, you would say, I don't get it. It's just, just a little thing, just, just this little piece. But the farmer knows what's coming. Friends, how often have we tried to tell the gardener what our seed should look like when all along he knows which plant is about to come? The job of the clay in the potter's hands is not to tell the potter what kind of clay or what kind of product it should be. It's to let the potter form it into something that he's already seen. Let me take this down to another level. We got Legos in our house. God bless Legos, but not in the middle middle of the night. We got Legos in our house. And when the Lego kit comes from the store, if you don't look at the instructions and you don't look at what's on the box, what do you see? Just a bunch of pieces of plastic. That's it. But somebody envisioned that entire Set of Legos Before they even produced it They knew what they wanted it to look like And they put it there on the box And then they give you a 600 page pamphlet to follow To build it The designer The kid, the team that's building it Is looking intently at that pamphlet Aiming for the final picture When they are putting the Legos together they cannot see exactly from what they're putting together and I I know this from some experience the end in fact sometimes steps three four five six uh, look as though they are not supposed to be part of the project what's the point? but the designer knew what they were aiming for and so the gardener knows but here is a final point that is very, very important for us. Even when we are pursuing the growth of the kingdom, we want Jesus to be glorified. We want Jesus to be honored, right? In our worship services, in our VBSs, in our, our Bible studies, in our small groups, and discipleship, we want Jesus to be honored. Even when we are doing that, we still should not be seeking our own advancement for our own branding. However big a church gets or however big a program is or however much the kingdom is advanced, it is the name of Jesus that covers the project. It is the image of the Son of God that gets the attention. It isn't about me and it isn't about you. This is why while I I want and hope and plan and it is my my role as the pastor of this church to see Hudson Wesleyan Church grow and develop in every way that God wants it to. I want to see the kingdom of God advancing in Hudson, Michigan more than I just want to see Hudson Wesleyan Church advancing in Hudson, Michigan. Because what does it profit us if we gain the whole world? Now, in Bible times, that may have meant just physical stuff. But can I, can I shift that passage for you a little bit and make you think of it a little bit differently? What does it profit us if we gain all the notoriety? What does it profit us if we gain the title, the label, the well thought of, if we do not even gain our souls? In other words, if we're outside of the kingdom, so busy promoting what looks like the kingdom, but is really our own advancement. That is not what Jesus did. He managed to build the kingdom by coming and dying, and then by calling his followers to do the same which they did. And Paul, the greatest missionary of the New Testament, is executed. The kingdom is not about pursuing my advancement. Now, the beauty is that when God's got you right where He wants you, sometimes He's going to take you to heights that you never dreamed possible. But let me caution you, friends. When you're following closely to Jesus, sometimes you're going to go into depths that you didn't know existed. It is real. But the kingdom is not just about saying, oh, look what we can do, or look where we can go, or look what we get for eternity. The kingdom is about saying right now, it's a small little seed, but it's going to change its environment. Everyone else is ignoring this behavior, or this person, or this thing that looks very unimpressive, but God's going to change it lives with it. The kingdom of heaven is full of potential. And if you're not careful, sometimes we'll just throw it out. Because it looks just like little, little seeds, little insignificant pieces of nothing. But it is not when the gardener sees it. As we get ready to close this morning, I want you to reflect on something <laughs> with me. If you have your notes, notebook, it is there. If not, I'm, t- I'm going to read it to you. A couple questions for you to be thinking about. Be honest <laughs> with yourselves. I don't want you to ha- You're not going to tell me. I want you to be honest with yourself. How tempted are we to rely on things of this world, even for the advancement of the kingdom? I'll be open with you you reflect on this yourself, it is really tempting to think about, yeah, but what if we had this? And what if we could do that? And wouldn't that be pretty impressive? And again, not that those things can't be used to build the kingdom, but how tempted are we to rely on them? And then secondly, what part of you this week, and I know we offer all of ourselves to Jesus, but I want you to think specifically, what could you offer this week that Christ could use to show others the beauty of the kingdom? You say, it's not much. I don't don't have any special skill. I don't have any, I don't know. I'm not comfortable around people. I don't know what to say. But what thing can you offer this week that is just putting your seed, your opportunity into the ground, relinquishing control over it, and letting the gardener decide what to do with it? We talked in our last series about significance a little bit. When we talked about identity, the series was about identity, but we talked a little bit about the issue of value and significance. One of the things we talked about is about how easy it is to think of ourselves in terms of what we can't be. That's, That's where identity comes from, what we're not. And that's real. And sometimes it's very painful. But what if this week we took... What Satan has convinced us is insignificant. And we just gave it to the gardener and let him plant it. Let him use it. And let him do whatever he wants with the product. Let's pray. Lord, we admit that too often we have tried to play the role of the gardener when you are the one who has created the seed and the plants. We admit that sometimes we have been too reliant on the things of this world to be impressive, even in trying to build the kingdom. God, we want you to use whatever you deem necessary, regardless of our age, our experience, our background, what we think we're good, not good at. We want you to use what you want so that more people can experience life transformation through the power of your Spirit. So Lord, this week we surrender to you even what we have become convinced is insignificant and ask you to use us, the potential that you find in your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. My friends, may the Lord bless you as you go on your way today. Thank you for coming and participating in worship. You can take your notes uh, notebook with you uh, home with you and bring it back next Sunday, and we will continue this series. Then you are dismissed. All right, Kent's been planting. This message is a ministry of Hudson Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to see lives transformed for the glory of God. For more information, you may contact the church at 517-448-6411 or at HudsonWesleyan.org. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.